This week's episode is brought to you by Octopod. With Octopod's line of mobile charging solutions, your devices will never be without power again. Go to octo-pod.com outset to view their line of products and stay tuned for a limited time, 50% off offer. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Seaton Perkins program here on Outset Podcast Network. Uh, you can find all the other shows on the network at outsetmagazine.com slash podcast. I am joined today by my friend who I said was going to join us uh, last week. I said she was joining us this week. Uh, Holly Norris. How are you, Holly? I'm good. We just had Mexican food yes. a day after Cinco de Mayo. So I guess as long as it's in the same week, it's it's fair game. Yeah, but it was good. So, uh, so she's here today, mainly talking about Fifty Shades of Grey, because <laughs> Holly is our resident Fifty Shades Apparently. of Grey expert. Uh, but we're also going to talk about some other things. Uh, going to open the episode this week talking about uh, talking about something that I lived through, um, <laughs> something that I am still tired, just like physically tired from, and that is the shooting in Garland, Texas, um, that happened outside a Muhammad art exhibit put on by Pamela Geller uh, and her organization. So um, pretty much I, I just want to talk kind of what I was doing there, um, kind of my account of what happened. Then I'm sure, Holly, you have some questions or something. Um, so this pretty much the first time I've heard of this, by the way. Like yeah. I read his article, but I have not heard this first person account of the story. Yet. She's She's been busy the past couple of weeks. So, yes. so yeah. So um I was in a hovel. I didn't even know mm-hmm. this happened until I got back from my long extended trip. So when did you hear about it? Um, I think the first time I actually knew what happened was reading your article. Cause like I was, oh. in, I was in a conferences for three weeks. So I didn't even know the Baltimore riots were going on yeah. until the 29th of April. I think was <laughs> the first time I'd actually heard like what actually happened. And so all of this news was kind of hitting me at once. And then the Garland shooting, I was just still catching up on so much that after um, after getting this massive overload of information, I would kind of cut myself off from the news for a while. And then I saw on your Facebook that this big thing had happened. And I was like, what in God's name is going on? Big thing. It was very weird. So, um, so I was in um, Sunday morning is, is when I found out about it. I, I didn't know about it until uh, Sunday morning. Uh, my friend uh, Stephanie Conway, who works for Turning Point USA here in Dallas, she heard about it from a reporter from Breitbart, Texas, who was also there covering the event. I was not there covering the event. This is the show, correct? The art exhibit? The, the art exhibit, okay. yeah. The, uh, the, the events um, that the shooting was supposedly in response to. Um, so... So I got tickets, $25 admission to the ticket. I was just curious to see what it was. I'd never heard of Pamela Geller. I've never heard of her organization. Um, and the name the name of it escapes me, but I'd never heard of her organization. Uh, I, you know, I didn't know what was in store. I, I did know that it was obviously a cartoon contest for Muhammad. So I knew it was controversial and uh, um, was kind of interested in seeing how that would go. So we go there. And security is very tight. Like we go there and and it, it seems as if the entire Garland Police Department's out there. I mean, they have everyone out there. To get into the parking lot, you had to be on a list of people who had bought tickets before. Now, I had bought tickets a little late, so I had to have the email up and, and they, you know, they put me on the list because um, I'd paid for it. So we parked, we went in, there were metal detectors beforehand. I had left my pocket knife in my pants. So I was like, oh, I need to run back real quick to my car and do that. So at the event itself, right? Because in Texas, you know, that always happens. Right, I was like, oh, my pocket knife, forgot about that. <laughs> so the, the event itself, once they opened the doors, you go in, it had all these um, various cartoons slash historical drawings even of Muhammad. Um, some of them were historical, you know, drawings. Um, and so it was just kind of this gallery there. And then when the event started, uh, Pamela Gellard talked. Um, the artist of the winning cartoon talked. And a Dutch politician, far-right politician um, uh, with the Dutch parliament spoke. Uh, I, I, I don't remember exactly who. I, no one I've ever heard of before. None of these people had I ever heard of before. Um 
it was kind of weird. Some of the news agencies that interviewed me asked me if I felt unease, you know, during the event. I didn't really feel like anything was going to happen. I thought there'd be protesters outside. There wasn't one protester. Um, but I didn't really feel unsafe, obviously, with that much police. There was not only Garland PD, there was the SWAT team there who was accompanying all the speakers. I mean, heavy armored with with assault rifles. Um, there was private security um, guards there. And then there was also the school district security officer, the one who ended up getting shot because it was a school district uh, building. Um, so after the event, it ends around 645. And just about everyone goes towards the stage to speak to the presenters and, and the, the cartoonists that won. My two other friends and I, we decided to leave because we didn't want to stick around. It was, you know, no big deal. So we head out. And uh, as we're heading out, the cops are, you know, they're there. And, um, and my friend looks at them and says, y'all look bored or y'all look tired or something to that effect. Because uh, nothing had happened and, and they thought there would be something. So we, we're walking outside. We get outside the center. And as far as I could tell, we're the first group of attendees to actually be outside. There was no one else behind us. And we're walking towards the parking lot. And I see an officer at the entrance of the parking lot where we entered in. He blew his whistle and pointed towards the far end of the parking lot. And um, and the, the two cops behind us kind of made a jug of it. They were like, oh, he has his, his whistle going again. So we didn't think anything of it. Headed to our cars, got in. Right as we got in our car, the only noise that I heard was a slight like clapping sound behind. Um, it didn't sound like gunfire. You know, I, I would expect that to be much louder. So... Um, you know, pretty much I say that I didn't hear gunfire because I don't think I did. I just heard clapping. It might have been um, an echo or something. So we started to drive away. And as we're heading towards the exit, we see officers with guns drawn now running towards the far end of the parking lot, which is now behind us. So I turned to my friend and asked what was going on. We weren't really sure, obviously. Um, we again didn't hear anything, but we saw these guards, you know, and, and, in this stance ready to ready to fire so we exit the parking lot and we keep looking back and we see that something is happening because all these police are 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 running and police pulling out their shotguns so i tried to do a u-turn in the street because i want to go back towards the center and actually see what happened by that time an unmarked police car had already blocked off the road so they're very quick to respond um, and was rerouting us through the parking lot on the other side of the street, which was a Hyatt hotel and also some restaurants. It was a retail area. So instead of leaving, you know, going through that way to get to the feeder, to go back on the highway, to go home, we decided to park in the Hyatt parking lot and kind of watch from across the street. We we're probably 50 yards away. Um, I never saw the two shooters. At that time, they were already dead. They had already been shot. They were on the ground. I also never saw their car um, because the way the parking lot was positioned, we just didn't have that that view of it. It was probably from where we had originally parked at the center. It was probably 50, 75 yards away where the car was. Um, and I went back Monday and looked at it just to see where it was. And that's about right. What we did see, though, and this has been um, finally addressed by the police. This was something that I was talking about Sunday night when news sources were there that I'd not heard anyone talk about was a third suspect, possible suspect, who they approached with their guns drawn. He was on the ground. He wasn't injured. He didn't look like he was armed. Uh, they arrested him, searched and put in a police cruiser. We've later now learned that um, he was not associated with it. I think he was probably walking by at the time and he probably hit the ground for cover or something like that. Uh, but so he was let go later. Um, and then finally, a police officer came up to our car and didn't tell us, but advised us to leave the area because the police perimeter kept expanding. And eventually, pretty much that whole side of the freeway was shut down. So, you know, they wanted us out of the perimeter. So we do. We, uh, we go on the other side of the freeway, drive down to the next underpass area where the police already had blocked off the road. We were in the Bank of America parking lot, which is where most of the media ended up setting up. And that's where most of their shots were that night was of that underpass there. 
um, and stayed there until about 1.30 in the morning. And the interesting thing is I kept going, I, I kept getting all these calls from the BBC. Like I, I talked to Channel 5 because they were there, but every, everything else, it was calls from the BBC because I guess they had seen my tweets about it. So they messaged me and, and got my phone number and uh, I was on probably eight different BBC programs. Which was hard for me when they're speaking in a British accent. It was hard for me not to match that, you know. <laughs> not to start speaking in a British accent. Exactly. I was going to be like, well, thank you so much for having me on, you know. Um, let me tell you, it was quite a ruckus here today. So, no, but I, I did say. That's a little more Australian than British. That's honest. true. Yeah, I, I, I did say some some <laughs> southern Texas American things. I, I was like, yeah, the police told us to, to hunker down in our cars. I don't think they understood what that meant. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was an interesting night. And you said there was like some explosions and things like that too going on? So their concern with the shooters is that um, there were explosives on them and in the car. That's what they thought. They did not touch the bodies until Bomb Squad got there to clear everything out. I And from what I heard from witnesses on Monday, Monday more people lived in the area, uh, they said that the bodies were not removed um, until Monday morning. Um, so... Yeah, so the, they, they never found explosives, but they were worried about it. They were worried about the, the shooters having it, the cars having it. There was talk about explosives in the woods. In between the, the center and a Walmart, there was talk about explosives in the Walmart parking lot. They thought a possible car bomb. So they our other friend was in the Walmart parking lot. They cleared that parking lot out. They shut down every business, essentially on that side of the freeway, because they were searching for that. But the only explosions that happened were test explosions so sunday night there were a total of three i was only there for the first one but it was an emp explosion mm -hmm. pretty much trying to set off any remote detonator or anything um, but no they didn't find any explosions and it killed our car battery too it killed my I, i'm pretty sure that, yeah that's what killed my car battery so we had to get that jumped that was interesting but yeah, they were saying that the police said we advise you to you know button down in your car and turn off your electronics. But I, I was too busy tweeting. I can't, you know, I have to keep people updated. I wasn't gonna, wasn't gonna turn stuff off. Hey, got you news coverage. So I mean, I did, and it, it was it was interesting. It kind of um, reignited my my uh, journalism side. It was fun, but uh, I mean, the circumstances weren't fun, but it was fun to cover it. Telemundo was out there as well. Oh God. Yeah, I mean, the, you know. That would have been an interesting interview if I would have gone with Telemundo. Have you followed any of the coverage um, about like the shooters or anything since then? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've been um, fairly on top of it. Um, I saw, obviously, the latest report is that the White House has come out and called it an act of terror, which I'm very happy they have because for many of these domestic uh, um, shootings, they have not done that. So I'm very happy they have. Um, possible link to ISIS. They don't know if it was planned and coordinated by ISIS, most likely not, but they're saying that the shooters were probably uh, inspired by ISIS. So right now they're going through their internet history and trying to see if they had any correspondence with any type of um, ISIS related organizations or anything like that. So I know. I know. I know I saw, this is the first time I turned my TV on in like a week, but I know I saw yesterday the mom of one of the shooters was talking about all the reasons why she thinks yeah. they went bad and I was just like, you shouldn't be talking to the news lady. You're just no. digging yourself a hole. So No, and uh, yeah, I found it, the moms are like, well, you know, they weren't violent people. Well, they shot people, so. <laughs> they killed a police officer. We can now put them in that category. Well, they didn't kill them. They wounded them. They shot one, though. They did. They, they shot him, uh, a Garland ISD police officer yeah. in the leg, I think. But he was released later that night, so that's good. They aimed to kill. That's the thing. Right, is like yeah. Any person who goes out and tries to inflict that kind of pain in the name of any sort of religion is automatically a terrorist no matter what kind of religion you're associated with right i mean if you go out and do that in the name of god you're still a terrorist regardless of what sect or religion you're associated with right the intention was ultimately to get into that building and shoot the attendees and shoot pamela geller and, and all the other speakers um the interesting thing though is that you know, out of all places to try to, to shoot people, you come to Texas and do it. <laughs> I was you would never think something like that would happen in Garland because it's Texas. And, and even these people were heavily armored, but they were still shot within within seconds. 
you know, they, they were no match for the Garland Police Department. And, 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 you know, many thanks to Garland Police Department because of them, I never felt in danger, even as they were running, you know, towards our car with, with guns, you know, we felt very safe. So very, very, uh, very happy that they were there. Apparently the total for security was about $30,000, a lot of money. Um, so it was an interesting night. I'm glad though, that we left before everyone else, cause everyone else was put into lockdown and questioned by the FBI and Holy yeah, I didn't get questioned by the FBI. You didn't, okay. They're going to be giving you a call probably. I mean, they, I feel like they would have already done so. Well, I mean, if anyone though, that, I mean, that makes, that's, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the information they were going to get from the people inside who didn't see yeah. anything, but I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, so so that's been uh, I, I I had Spanish class on Monday, or I was supposed to, and I emailed her and said, uh, "Yeah, I'm not gonna be in class today." Did you tell her why? Yeah, I, no. well, I, I said I was not involved with, but I, I said I was caught in the middle of the Garland shooting, and I didn't leave until late, and so I'm not going to what a 10 a.m. class. Um, she, well, we were supposed to have presentations that day. She was like, you can make them up at 8.30 on Wednesday morning today. Oh, is that what you were doing this morning? Um, no, I didn't go. Because, because here's the thing. It was, it was, it was 2.5% of our grade. If you made a 100 and it's a memorized Spanish presentation, I was not going to make a 100. So I'll take that deduction. I'm still going to pass the class. We'll be okay. Yeah, so, no, I but I, I was definitely tired. I went to Starbucks on Monday morning and got a double. So, all right, let's talk about some other stuff that's been happening since then. Um, actually, something that happened Sunday night right as the shooting was breaking out. I want to get your reaction on timing, um, being with your PR background. Oh, ben Carson uh, became the, let's see, the, the fourth? The, 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 the Carly announced before him, or was Ben? Uh, ben was the first, so we have Cruz, Paul, yeah. So B- B- Carson became the third mm-hmm. um, to announce on Sunday around eight p.m. Right as the Garland shooting was happening for the GOP. Right. Uh, this wasn't where, where his speech was. You know, he didn't give a speech at eight p.m., but but he announced his intentions. Um, Kind of interesting timing. I feel like there's other things. But then again, Rand Paul was tweeting during the Baltimore riots. So yeah. these people don't understand social media. Although it's not really them. It's their team, isn't it? So, yeah. so far, Ben Carson. Uh, I'm pulling up his logo real quick because this is really the the, the thing that matters. See, that's the American Airlines logo to me. It, it, it does look <laughs> like the American Airlines logo. We're on bencarson.com and it's Carson America. Um, and it's like a... The everything's normal. It's Carson, but then the A in America has like this swoopy thing, swoop like feather. I think he's going for like the eagle look. Yeah, it looks it looks very American Airlines to me. His uh, his slogan is "Heal, Inspire, and Revive," which sounds like the mission statement for a church. But then again, we're talking about Ben Carson. Well, did you watch his? You watched his speech, right? I watched some of it. I, I didn't see the full thing. So I watched. I watched some of it. I mean, I think it was the clip version. It was CNN, so mm-hmm. you know. Um, but he speaks almost like a pastor because I mean, right. obviously, he's a very religious man. Right. But it was almost in a way that came across as like a Southern Baptist preacher, yeah. but in a drowsy way, which was horrible because he kept looking down and his eyes were very hooded. He is someone who, he excites the older crowd. Mm-hmm. He's not someone who commands the attention of the room, really. No, and he, I mean, he had some great points. Mm-hmm. Like he, I mean, he obviously is very connected to everyone, um, to, to specific pockets of people. He has very relatable opinions and very relatable ideas. He's not a politician. No. And that's, I think, where he's going to get votes is because he's not a career politician. He I like and, him because of he that. He and Carly both, I think, are going to get votes because of that. But that is also going to be his downfall because he doesn't know how to get those votes from those people who are looking for their career politician. And when he comes across the speaker, he starts to almost get that preachy, yeah. um, not, I don't want to, it's almost like a, 
I'm giving a sermon kind of vibe. Right. And there's a couple of candidates this year who have seen their speeches and it, it's come across. So I'm like, well, Ted Cruz is the same yeah, way. Ted Cruz is exactly the same Ted way. Ted Cruz and is it's, the same way. It, it, when I think of someone who's about to stand up and talk to leaders from other nations and who's about to go and, and um, represent me as a citizen of this country or who's about to give me a, a, a State of the Union address or something like that, I don't want to hear a speech that sounds like a sermon, like I'm in right. church. I want to hear someone who's going to give me the facts, who's going to say it straight, and who's going to get off the stage. Because honestly, we all have better things to do than to listen <laughs> to someone give us another sermon. Some people were, I mean, they, they would have listened however long. The, the thing about Ben Carson, and you notice this at CPAC, his following is, I would say, fanatical. I mean, yeah. they anything this guy does, they are always there. They show up and... You know, when you ask people why they support Ben Carson, most of them don't really know where he necessarily stands on an issue. Yeah. They like him because, well, they like him because he adds diversity to the GOP. My opinion on this is that, you know, a lot of his supporters are older, wider people. I feel like Ben Carson to them is, oh, that black guy we could get behind. That's just my opinion on it. But but you get this sense that his supporters um, are very caught up in what um, just in, in what he says, not necessarily his experience, which is fair because he doesn't have experience. Well, and it's and it's also comes down to it's almost like a Reagan situation where he hmm. has this experience in a whole different ball game than politics. It's well, Reagan not, was a governor at least. Carson yeah, hasn't had an elected has, position. Yeah, he has no political experience. But you have that fanatical following from a whole different field and when you're talking about a group of people who are following him because he was the first person to separate conjoined twins i mean when you have a tnt movie made about you (laughs) it your following isn't going to be 100 percent behind you because of where you stand on a a, an issue your following is going to be behind you because of the way that you speak and the way that you talk and and the way you present yourself and and that's kind of how it was with the Obama campaign too. It came down to are you going to vote for the first black president or the first female vice president with, right. with Palin McCain? And you know, unfortunately, that's how most politics are done these days. But like you said, most of his following is going to be behind him because they are. It is the black guy we can get behind. And then I think he has great points on a lot of things, and he's with the Baltimore riots because it is where he's from. He is getting a lot of support from that area because he's standing behind them and saying, we need to get more education. We need to get um, more people learning how to prevent this instead of reacting to the problem as it's happening. And, and, And I agree with that. His, his, whenever you hear this guy speak about education, he has such an incredible background, obviously a very smart guy. Mm -hmm. He has such a good background and his message is, is very spot on. People need to be educated. We have to put a focus back on education in this country. My issue is, um, he's very, his, his political career has been built on, on the fact that he's very opportunistic. He had this speech at the, uh, at the prayer breakfast in front of Obama, which was not even that, um, that pointed towards the president. Like I've listened to it. It wasn't that big. He wasn't calling the president out that much. Um, but you know, people, he took advantage of that moment of that type of moment in the, in the limelight and he's been running with it. And ever since then, he has no real experience other than speaking gigs. And I, again, I think he's really smart, but at the end of the day, he's not running for president. I think he's running for a cabinet position. I think, I think it'd be a great secretary of education. I think he'd be a great surgeon general, something of that, something within his ballpark. He can't be a president. And I'd love to see more diversity in the GOP. I'm glad he's in the race. I think the debates will be interesting, especially when we talk about education, especially when he goes up against Jeb Bush on Common Core. That'll be fun. <laughs> um, but at the end of the day, he's, he's not a long-term candidate. So after that, Carly Fiorina, which I always told you I have an issue saying your last name. I'm always afraid I'm going to get it wrong. Carly Fiorina um, announced through a video, kind of Hillary Clinton style, um, not my way of, uh, not how I prefer it, but, but, uh, but certainly, um, an interesting strategy. So the thing I like about her, she is the former CEO of HP, as well as an executive with, with many other companies before that. She is kind of like Carson, not a career politician, hasn't had an elected position. She certainly run for positions and hasn't gotten it uh, in California, which 
running as a Republican yeah, in California, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah. Uh, but, but she's not only uh, not a career politician, she's a career business person. And I love the business background, which is why I still have a soft spot for Mitt Romney. Even though I, you know, I, I think you should stay clear of this race. I still love Mitt Romney for that reason. Um, her logo. I like it a little better. You know, what are your thoughts on the logo? Uh, you were saying it's, it looks like Delta Airlines. It looks like Delta Airlines a little bit. I think it's because of the combination of the, the, the blue background, the thin white font and the, the star. And the, I, I, don't I think know. it looks like something out of Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica. Because <laughs> I'm a nerd. So. Interesting. So she's she's the candidate of the nerds. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, like sure. And prosper. The thing I like about her. Now, she she dodges a lot of questions. You notice with her interview, she's mm-hmm. dodging a lot of questions, which is why I think, again, I don't think she's running for president. I think she might be running for vice president. I think she might be running for vice president, maybe another cabinet position. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm not really sure. I, I have to see more of her. I certainly, I will like um, a good woman in the race. Michelle Bachman was a tragedy when she <laughs> ran. God. I mean, just an, just an embarrassment. And, and she's a good lady, but she should have never run for president. I think Carly's going to be a really good addition uh, to the debates. Um, when she's good about not just dodging questions, but she spits back, too. Like, did you yeah. did you watch her Katie Couric interview? I didn't. She, Katie Couric, I mean, she... <laughs> she's a gem. She embarrasses me and as a woman in journalism <laughs> yeah. sometimes because, you know, as a journalist, you're generally supposed to be unbiased. And, you should at least strive to be. Yeah, yeah, and it's so clear with Katie Couric how her bias leans. And, you know, she works for Yahoo, which liberal. But it when she was interviewing Carly, it was very clear that she was being, number one, sexist, which is ironic right. considering she's a woman. Number right. two, she was being very biased towards the liberal candidates. And she was asking all of these questions that were so vicious. They had nothing to do with her campaign. They had everything right. to do with her past and getting fired from HP, which had nothing to do with her as a person. No. It had everything to do with the fact that the stocks were falling and they needed to change in, an, in a CEO to see what a new person could bring in, which every good company is going to do. If you have a problem with the way your company is structured, you bring in something new to see what can change. Doesn't mean she's a bad business person. Yeah. She's been very successful. Correct. And so... For me, with Katie Couric, I was watching her interview and I was just like, I feel for me, it feels like it's going to be another Sarah Palin all over again mm. with Hillary and with Carly where, I mean, with Hillary, it's not as bad because she does have some credit with being Bill Clinton's wife and having served for, formerly as a first lady and as, and as a, what was it? Senator, Senator? and Secretary yeah. of State. Senator, yeah. I can't remember if Senator or Congresswoman. But um, she, for women in a political race, it's a lot different than for men yeah. where and you know this from mm-hmm. being in politics as long as both of us have, but you, you tend to focus more on women with what they're wearing and what they say and how they say it and their tone and how feminine they are. And with men, it's more about their issues and their politics and right. their, um, their know-how and their experience. Right. And so it, it's it's a totally different race that women are running than men, and it it's an uneven playing field. Right. And with Katie Couric starting that first interview with putting her on a totally uneven playing field and asking questions that she would never in a million years ask a man who's running right. made me furious watching it. But she she came back with really snappy answers. She's and, very savvy. Yeah. She she knows how to navigate the media uh, type of landscape. Yeah. And, and she doesn't really have a background of having to do that that much because not being a career politician, she just somehow has that savvy. But to me, I think that, that that's a good thing. I think that mm-hmm. her her business background is the reason that she can do that. Oh yeah. Because when you are coming from a business background, I think you have even more experience having to navigate that because as a politician, you're not always having to answer those questions. You have a team of people who are writing those press releases for you. You have a team of people who are answering questions on your website and writing Mm -hmm. your policies and writing your, where does this person stand on this? Because you know that as a politician, that affects not just you, but the people that you're representing. As a business person, you have to come up with those decisions because you know that your decisions affect everyone down, but you're the person in charge. Right. And you didn't get elected to that position. You were hired, so you are in charge until someone fires you. Right. And 
you have you are in charge of what you say and so she's been trained to know how to respond to those questions right she has pr experience as a business the thing i would love about carly as president or any business person as president is there is i mean right now foreign relations is a huge deal as we talk about these negotiations with iran President Obama's lack of negotiation skills and last, lack of experience in that is coming out, obviously. And uh, the, I, I tell people the only, the only enticing thing about Donald Trump, the idea <laughs> of him being president, is that at least the guy knows how to negotiate. Mm-hmm. And with Iran, as much as he would probably piss them off, uh, he would still at least he could lend them some hair gel. Um, yeah, I don't know what he uses, <laughs> but but I, I think I think Carly. Um, also has those same type of business skills that are so crucial because at the end of the day, you are the chief executive of the country. Um, and a lot of people don't look at the country as a business, but in essence, the, the federal government is an organization that you have to lead. Um, and so having someone with that experience is, is completely vital. Um, I think Carly would be very good with foreign relations. Um, she may have a hard time gaining respect as a woman in some of these Middle Eastern countries, but I think she can uh, make up for that kind of in her toughness. She is a tough woman, which is why I'm excited to to see uh, her in the debates. I think she's going to add a, a new layer to it. Um, so we'll just see with Carly. I don't I, know. And I think we've, you know, for the two of us, having served in leadership positions before, and maybe after Huckabee, Huckabee has, is a career politician. I mean, he's yeah. got lots of experience. Big government career politician. And when you're a politician for that long, you spend your entire life in Capitol Hill mm-hmm. or in the small office where you're serving in a bubble. people. Yeah. You're in a bubble. And you don't spend a lot of time with the people that you're serving. And for the two for the two of us with the perspective of having served in those leadership positions and me especially in the last year serving as a, as a national officer for an organization, um, it's really hard to get a perspective on what to do as a leader if you don't spend time with those people. Right. And I think for the two candidates that just announced, Carson and Carly, they're both coming in with a perspective of a normal person. And mm-hmm. like you were saying, it's not just a government job. It's an organization that you're leading as a person, as a basically a CEO of a company. Right. And forget career politics. If you come in with just a political mindset as a president, you're doing things completely wrong. Because once you're in office as a president, you're really not supposed to have any sort of bias towards one way or another. Clearly, most presidents do. But when you're... Sure. I mean, you you have an agenda that you're yeah. trying to push. But when, one, when you're looking at the way that the president interacts with both houses and the, um, the lawmaking process and things like that, they are supposed to have an opinion that would better the people that they're serving. And if you have spent your entire life in a bubble of career politics and not actually spent time in a long time with those people that you actually that actually elected you into office, then how do you know what they want? And that's the problem I have with a lot of the candidates that are coming in right now. There, but there's something about Washington because you see these candidates all the time who have come in without a political background, but then they go to Washington and they're completely changed. You know, you, you, you see business people and doctors who run for the Senate, run for Congress, and they completely change. So even if you get someone with kind of this pure background, if you will, there's still a huge possibility that they can go in there and, and their mindset gets completely changed. Because well, you have to play politics to uh, to a certain extent to survive there. There is. And there's, I mean, there's a couple of candidates. One of them is currently uh, the minority leader in the House um, who... Um, I have had personal relations with my my mom mm-hmm. as a, a, fi- a fundraiser for politics for 20 years um, that, you know, go there and they completely change their mindset on issues and they actually interact with people and um, they do get swayed by the way that politics are run in Washington versus how they're run in their home city, states um, where they started in politics. And number one, the problem with that is that the perks of being in office when you're in Washington are so different than they are when you're being in lo- when you're in local office. And so you get there and it's almost like that movie The Campaign where mm-hmm. you know he spends the guy the Will Ferrell's character spends his entire time in Washington basically with prostitutes and and partying and all that stuff. Right. And that if, if that is the lifestyle that they're portraying for politicians in Washington DC, I mean not everything in the movies is true, but as someone who spent some time in Washington DC and I'm sure you can vouch for this, it, the perks of being a politician are pretty 
nice. Oh, yeah. And that's the first thing that has to change before that mindset is going to change. But sending more people without the career politician background is what's going to start changing that. Because unless you have more people to outvote those idiots who've been there for long enough with their Ferraris and their multi-million dollar <laughs> mansions who didn't earn it, who got it because they got elected to office over right. and over and over again, that's not going to change until the, more of those people actually get into office. So it sounds like term limits for Congress. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. What a common sense idea. I know. And our last candidate who... <laughs> My personal favorite, I think, out of everyone, Mike Huckabee, former governor of Arkansas, former Fox News host and commentator, former fat person, form, <laughs> former skinny person, now back to being a fat person. But, you know, that happens. <laughs> no big deal at all. So Mike Huckabee uh, entered the race as well. And um, I'm, I'm not the biggest fan of his for many reasons. Um, I think he's he's a big government conservative. If You know, I, I hate the idea that there's even such a thing, but he's a big government progressive conservative. Um, in his own state, he's had a bad history of leadership as governor. He raised taxes when he said he won it, uh, and then he lied about saying that he won it. Um, you know, in, in, in 2008, he ran a horrendous campaign um, and I'm not sure why he thinks anything's going to be different this time. He's a has-been. He needs to go away. And then there's the whole thing between Ted Cruz and Mike Huckabee. They both go after, essentially, the same core voters, evangelical Christians. They're very faith-based candidates. The theory is that Mike Huckabee is in the race to steal those votes away from Cruz to where Cruz does not have a chance. Because Huckabee, I'll tell you, Huckabee is not in the race for the long term. He's not going to win it. He's not going to get the nomination. I don't even think he wants it. I think he's been put in there by the by the establishment GOPers, which he is one. I think he's been put in there to take votes away from Cruz to make sure that Cruz does not become the nominee, which as much as, you know, I have issues with Cruz, but I'd much rather see him than Huckabee as the nominee and in the White House. What do you think about Mike Huckabee? I know you have some opinions. The first thing I said to Stephen when I was looking to research this morning, because I've again I've been out of touch in politics for a long time, but yeah. literally the first thing I said was, "Oh well, Huckabee lost my vote. The Duggars support him." The yeah, the Duggar family supports him. And it's not that I don't like the Duggar family. If you don't know that... who the Duggar family is, if you've ever watched any sort of daytime television, TLC, Lifetime, they're the 17, 18, 19, 20 kids and counting family. That's them. Their family could be considered like a small business it really really like that's literally how they own a car dealership they mm -hmm. are debt free mm -hmm. they have like a like a i want to say a fifteen thousand square foot house mm -hmm. and oh like, you have to i yeah. think they have like seven refrigerators yeah i mean good to them for being successful but um as far their as far as their politics um it's a little intrusive yeah their 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 views there but uh so um they endorsed santorum in 2008 and they, they continue to endorse Santorum right. until yesterday right. when they um, when Huckabee, when his website went live, um, and then yesterday, two endorsements, separate ones from Michelle Duggar and Jim Bob Duggar. Yes, his, his name is Jim Bob. Jim Bob. Jim Bob Duggar. Um, both separate endorsements popped up on Huckabee's website from both of them. And not to say that none of them have any political experience. Um, their oldest son is a local politician in Arkansas, so they do have some reasons to support Huckabee and they do agree with a lot of his policies especially when it comes to same-sex marriage and a lot the of social policies yeah a lot, sure. of, a lot of his social stuff um but I, I'm surprised that they're, that they're supporting him economic with his economic policies because a lot of his economic policies are completely against what they support with right. him because they're business owners like they're very industrious on their own right. and a lot of the policies that he seems to have supported as governor would be completely against right. what Doing well, what it comes down to is, is like I said, Huckabee's going after the evangelical voters. And for the vast majority of evangelical voters, they really don't care about economic issues. They don't care about foreign policy. What they care about are social issues. Yeah. And this is a battle that the GOP is going to lose every time. They're already losing it. When you focus on these social issues, you're going to be the loser. Because the fact is the GOP is way too... Um, now, obviously, people have their opinions, and it's fine to have that. 
my issue, and this is where my libertarian side comes out, my issue is that if someone has an alternative view on these social policies than you do, as long as they are not personally hurting you, what difference does it make? But for a lot of the social conservatives, they want to see the government regulate all these social issues to the point where, you know, if, if you don't agree with them 100%, life kind of sucks for you in America, which is supposed to be a free country. And, um, and, and so social, social conservatives have a lot of power and they are, they are very easy to mobilize to get out to vote. Um, they do it every, every time. Year, they every they show election. up every election. Um, but unfortunately, like I said, I, I think Huckabee's going to steal votes away from Cruz, who has more of a level-headed agenda, more of an all-encompassing agenda. He's not just focusing on those issues. Um, and that's disturbing because I, I, I don't want to see votes go away from Cruz and Rand and some of the more level-headed people and who actually have a chance. he's grinning while he says this. Well, because I have my Rand Paul poster uh, yeah, up. Yeah, at, at his wall. Mm -hmm. But I'm not endorsing. That's the other thing. It's it's way too early to endorse a oh. candidate right now. Um, I talked on last week's program about a 12-year-old YouTuber who endorsed Rand Paul. Oh, yeah. And it's like, great, he endorsed Rand Paul, but no one cares. Yep. Because it's way too early to even do it. We don't even know who's going to be in the race. I'm still holding up for Mitt Romney. <laughs> Not really, but maybe a little bit. I do like Santorum because he wears the sweater vest, and he gives me an excuse to wear sweater yeah, vest. Yeah, Steven, Steven's a little bit obsessed with sweater vests. I'm a big, so. you know, I mean, it's just, I need them to come back in style. Before we move on to our last topic, I do just want to give another shout out to Octopod for sponsoring this week's episode. Octopod's line of mobile charging solutions mean that your devices will never be without power again. And this week they are offering 50% off their incredible line of products. All you have to do is go to octo-pod.com outset and enter the code outset at checkout. That's octo-pod outset. Use the code outset at checkout. O-U-T. SET and that's octo-pod.com. All right, so let's end today's <laughs> episode with what the people really want, oh right? Oh god. 50 Shades of Grey is now out on DVD. No, so May 8th. Or it's coming out. It's, coming it, it's out. It, this Friday, is that Friday? Yeah. So this Friday it's 50 Shades of Grey is coming out on DVD. So if you were too embarrassed to go to the theaters and watch it, which you should have been. Which you should have been. Uh, you can now watch it from the safety, security, privacy of your own home. I will not. I, I, I really, I don't think I am. I don't think you I'm going to do it. I, I don't, I know I won't pay for it. I'm not going to pay for the, the DVD. That's for sure. Um, all right. So let's talk about, you saw Fifty Shades. Yeah. Last time, last time I was on, I mm -hmm. was, I was headed to go see it. Yeah. Well, last time you were on, we were on a different network, technically. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, now we're on Outset. Yep. So... So, okay, so for those people who don't know, just kind of tell us your thoughts on the movie. So, well, the, when, before I saw the movie, I the book series is very much so about an abusive relationship. And you read the books? Cur read and listened to the 12-year-old girl. That oh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the audiobook is so disturbing. <laughs> um, and by, by no means do I support this lifestyle. Like, I've, you know, it's, it's a very... Um, it's a very outlandish lifestyle to to support, but um, it's not a healthy relationship. And we talked about that last time that um, it's the problem that I have with the book series is that it, it it's getting the conversation started, which any good right. any good controversy does, but it's supporting a negative side of that controversy in that um, it's showing a very bad example of the quote unquote BDSM lifestyle because number one, it's not a healthy relationship. The male is very abusive in more than one way and the girl does not know how to say no. And in any relationship, number one, you have to be able to say no. Number two, especially mm -hmm. in that kind of relationship, you have to be able to. Yeah. And so I was hoping in the movie, I was told by people who had seen it in previews and things like that, that it would be better and that it was not about that, it was not so focused on that kind of thing. Um, and so I was hoping it would focus more on just the two of them and their relationship and building that kind of thing. 
and um, I was sorely disappointed. <laughs> Unfortunately, uh, I did see it with two of my best friends uh, in a movie theater full of people, and I was very uncomfortable <laughs> watching it. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a very different experience listening or reading to the books. Like listening to the books with other people around was still really awkward because you know it's just it's like it's like listening to porn with other people right, around. Right, pretty much. Well, it was like watching a movie, a porn movie with other people in the room. It was so awkward. And what, what was the rating on it? Was it? It was rated R. It was just R? It was okay. R. Yeah, I wasn't NC-17 or anything. Okay. Um, because they didn't, they, you saw. They didn't uh, do the nudity. They did. So, like light. It was everything except for his junk, which I appreciated. Um, and then I, you didn't actually see like, her full frontal area. Right, okay. So that was really interesting to... Um, I was like, had my eyes covered half the time. Could you imagine really being the director on that movie? Well, the, or anyone involved? Well, okay, so funny story about the director. So I, I've i been following this director. Um, it's uh, Sam Taylor... Sam T- Taylor Johnson is the director of this movie. She directed the first Twilight movie. She is married to a boy who is half her age that she met while directing... Um, Oh, I think it's the Beatles movie. I think it was about mm-hmm. John about John Legend or something. Not John Legend. Um, I don't know. The it was John Lennon something. Beatles. No, no, no. It was or... it wasn't the Beatles movie. It was something. She she met this guy while directing a movie, uh-huh. and he's the guy who's playing Quicksilver in the New Avengers. He mm. played the main lead in Angus Thongs and Perfect Snogging, which is the only reason I care. <laughs> but she um, she got booted from the Twilight series. Uh, she she directed she directed one of the Twilight movies, but. Um, she is very outlandish about this kind of thing and so she was very open about it and very like everyone was walking around naked on set and I was reading all these articles and I was like I can't Mm. like it's it was so awkward but I mean it overall it was it was a um it was an interesting movie to watch I was disappointed in the fact that they didn't change some things that I think they should have I think they should have focused more on on their relationship and on um, cha- they should have changed some of the things that I think readers had a problem with in the first place, which is that it wasn't about an ab- abusive relationship and it was not a correct um, viewing of that kind of lifestyle. And they didn't do that, and they left it very uninterpreted in the book in the movie. In the books, it's very clear why Christian, the main character, is the way he is. He was abused as a child. Um, his mom was a prostitute whose pimp Mm. abused him and left him alone with her body for four days before they were discovered by police and he has burns all over his chest because he the pimp literally burned out cigarettes on his chest Mm. when he was a kid none of that is explained in the movie none of the fact that he was abused none of the fact that he can't stand to be touched and that's why he has to tie girls up none of that stuff is explained so it just seems like he's a douchebag (laughs) and it's so it's it makes me so frustrated that it doesn't they don't explain that kind of thing that is important back yeah it is very important and so he kind of he kind of like touches it but by the end of the movie you would think if that's the only movie girls are going to watch if they're not going to go see the second and third movie when they come out in 2017 and 2019 so they plan those already yeah the 20 the second one comes out in 2017 boy and so if that's the only one that they're going to see then that left it completely hanging and they have no idea why he is that way and it leaves it for them to think that any guy can go and treat them like mm. that and possibly physically or mentally abuse them right. and think it's okay. Yeah, very dangerous uh, 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 kind of thing to put out yeah. there. Um, well, like I said, I haven't seen it. I haven't read them. I, I, the, the only part that I read, well, I, I saw Gilbert Godfrey yeah, read, read an excerpt. <laughs> that was brilliant. That was brilliant. And then a friend of mine, you know, freshman years, they had a portion of it that I, I read to the to the lobby. I can't. It was a you doing that. Well, <laughs> well, it was it wasn't fun. It was un- I stopped after a while. There were a couple of I mean, there were a couple of good things. Like my, I watched it with my with my male friend, mm-hmm. whom you know, mm-hmm. and um, he was of the same opinion as you, where he really did not want to watch it. And I finally was like, I have to. You re- made I him. have to rewatch this <laughs> because I have to talk about it on Stephen's show. Oh my gosh. Um, and I don't know, there's this podcast I listen to also, shout out to Read, Read It and Weep, but they have this girl on there that's like their go-to Fifty Shades girl. I, I tweeted, I was like, I've officially become Sarah Hathaway, so shout out to Sarah Hathaway. Oh, She's okay, listening. so th- that's what yeah. that was, okay. Um, but, I'll tweet at her yeah. this episode. <laughs> but um, she's always talking about how 
the best friend in the books is kind of a Mary Jane character, mm-hmm. um, Mary Sue character, where she's like the two two main characters. The main character is kind of like a fill-in, where it's like Bella and Twilight. Because I don't know if you know that the story started as a Twilight fan fiction. Yeah, I yeah, read about that. So, Bella in Twilight is a very much so insertable character where any girl or guy, if you so choose, could go into that situation and say, oh, I can so see myself like that. Mm-hmm. And so the two, the two best friend or the best friend in that story, um, I was like literally sitting there going, I can picture my best friend. Like, this is literally like her. I can say <laughs> this is my best friend. But that relationship, her and Christian's brother made me laugh. The second, first time I did not laugh when I saw it in theaters because I was so uncomfortable mm-hmm. because I was literally watching this with like a movie theater full of people like this yeah. is so awkward um second time around it made me laugh and then the music was really good I I the first time I saw the it, music really was good the yeah music. the soundtrack is is uh there was some I'm trying to remember the artist Ellie Golding. Ellie Golding um the Beyonce cover uh-huh. the um the new weekend song mm-hmm Oh, that was a good one. I can't remember what else is on there. But, there, I mean, it's it, just the really music. Really good music. The music and the way that it's set to the storyline, however perverse the storyline is, was really good. And it made you... The parts of it that were set to the romance storyline and the, and her and Christian getting to know each other, I really liked. The parts of it that were set to, like, the weird sex scenes, I was like, eh, I'm not so sure. <laughs> not so much. Part. And I'm out. But it was, it was really good. And I, um, I really liked the music and the way that um, a lot of it was... Fit, it fit well with parts of the story, which a lot of the time when you try to fit modern music into movies, it's done in a way that, you know, oh, there's that song from the radio. Yeah. But this was, like, a lot of these songs were written specifically for this movie. And right. so you could tell that they were written with the intention to be in that scene. Mm-hmm. And it was it was really well done. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Holly, for uh, for coming on this week. <laughs> and again. Uh, Talking about all the things. Yeah, no, this will never be on this show again. (laughs) Never will we talk about Fifty Shades again. Um, And thank you all for listening to this week's episode episode of the Stephen Perkins program. You can find more podcasts on the Outset Podcast Network by going to outsetmagazine.com slash podcast. We have on Tuesdays, second look with with Benjamin Green. I can't speak today. And on Fridays, we have the Matt Dallas Show. Uh, you can also follow Outset on Facebook and Twitter, on Twitter at Outset Magazine, facebook.com slash Outset Network. And you can find me at Outset or at Stephen underscore Perkins and facebook.com slash Stephen Perkins. And Holly, where can they find you? They can find me on Twitter at, at Holly C. Norris. Mm-hmm. They can find me on Facebook at uh, facebook.com slash Disaster. My blog is thedarlingdisaster.com. And you can find me on Instagram at, 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 at Holly C. Norris. Right on. Thanks so much. All right. We will uh, we will talk to you all next week and until then, take care. 